Um, in Luke, we're in Luke 6. Uh, this is like part 14 of this. Like, it's, so we preached 13 messages. We're just now getting to Luke 6. Um, it's crazy, but we're just taking our time going through this. Met this series called True Story. Um, how many of you have ever Googled strange laws? You ever Googled that, like weird laws? Um, I, I, I love, like these are, these are laws that are on the books legally, but they're never enforced, right? And so I don't, I don't know why they're still on the books. I'm assuming that maybe it just costs too much, takes too much of the court's time to get them off the books. So they leave them on the books and they you know, never really enforce them. Um, I found a few because um, I, I love this kind of stuff. So just in case you didn't know, and if you're traveling to these states, this is really good information for you, okay, so you don't end up in jail. In Texas, it's against the law for anyone to have a pair of pliers in his or her possession in Texas. So if you're, if you're traveling and you need to fix something, don't get pliers. In Miami, it's forbidden to imitate an animal. Okay, in New York, I think this is really good. In New York, it's against the law for a blind person to drive a car. But apparently taxi drivers are okay, right? Um, but it's, if you're blind, driving's out for you in New York. Um, this is a good one. In Memphis, Tennessee, a woman, oh, you know this will be good. A woman is not allowed to drive a car unless a man warns approaching motorists or pedestrians by walking in front of the car that is being driven. Okay. In Florida, it's against the law to put livestock on a school bus. In Virginia, chickens cannot lay eggs before 8 in the morning, and they must be done before 4 in the afternoon. Chickens, I don't know. And in, in our own state of North Carolina, hallelujah. In our state of North Carolina, it's illegal to sing off key. It's illegal for dogs and cats to fight. And it's illegal for a rabbit to race down the street. Just, just in case... Now, this morning, I heard you sing. A lot of you were breaking the law. <laughs> okay, well, that was fun. Um, so, so all these laws are real. I mean, these are legit laws. Can you imagine the outcry in our country if law enforcement started arresting people for this? Like, especially that one in Memphis. First of all, I don't know a husband dumb enough to even break that law. I don't know a husband who's willing to get out in front of the car and say, woman driver coming, woman driver coming, because his wife will run over her, um, over him, right? Um, so like, I don't know what would happen if all that happened, but to today in our passage, Luke chapter 6, what we're going to see is like, we, got, you know, we started last week this, this clash between the Pharisees and Jesus. Um, man, the Pharisees, they, they, they had a ton of these, like, these crazy rules, like these, these laws, they're always trying to enforce them. And so this, this morning, like we saw last week, you know, Jesus, um, he, he, he got questioned by the Pharisees. Remember, they're like, you know, first of all, who are you? Who is this man? Remember that? Who's, who's this fellow? They're all British. Like, who's this fellow that can heal? And, and he says, look, I heal because I'm God. So he kind of answered that question. He's, he's God. He heals because he has the authority as God to do that. And so then they, they moved on from who are you, started asking questions like, well, why do you do what you do? Remember that? We talked about how Jesus deals with sin in a way that heals the heart. But religion deals with sin in a way that hardens the heart. 
So we already see there's a major difference in Jesus' approach. We talked about the breath mint. Like, you know, he said to the Pharisees, you need a breath mint because your approach is stale. It stinks. It's bad. It smells bad. And you keep doing it. You're driving people away. That's what bad breath does, isn't it? Have a breath mint. That's what Jesus said. I've come to do something new. I've got a fresh approach. And so this morning we're in Luke chapter 6. What we're going to see is like Jesus, he... he um. He has no trouble picking strategic times to challenge the religious establishment, okay? He has no trouble picking these, these issues. And today what we're going to find is he picks the issue of the Sabbath. Now, I'm not going to teach a lot about the Sabbath today, but let's just say this. Back in Jesus' day, the Sabbath tradition was on a Saturday. That was when it was celebrated. And then somewhere along the way, after Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, uh, the church made a decision to kind of switch it to Sunday. And so now we go to church on Sunday instead of going to church on Saturday. You may know people that go to church on Saturday, and they may really get into the fact that you're supposed to be at church on Saturday when we're in church on Sunday. And we can argue all day long about when the Sabbath is supposed to take place. But I will say this, according to Colossians 2.16, the fact that people would fuss and fight and argue about when we're supposed to observe the Sabbath kind of proves the point that we're going to see Jesus making today, okay? And I think what Colossians 2.16 says is, don't judge anyone by what you eat or drink with regard to religious festival, new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day, okay? So this is not a message that we're going to like lay down the rules about how you're supposed to go to church on a certain day. This is more a, a message about how Jesus stood up and challenged the fact that we get so crazy about the rules anyway, okay? So Luke chapter 6 let me, let me give you the big idea. So what these, these 11 verses are going to say. I'm going to read them to you. I'm going to ask you two questions and I'm going to answer them. Here's the big idea. And you're either going to love this or hate this. I don't know. But we'll either be filled with criticism of others or compassion for others. That's what we're going to see in, these, in these, this section of Scripture. We're, we'll either be filled with criticism of others or compassion for others. So let me read this account to you. I'm going to an, ask and answer two questions. Okay, Luke chapter 6. Verse 1, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain. Because that's what you do when you're in a grain field. Rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. And some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what, you're, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. And then Jesus said to, him, to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? And he looked around at them all and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was completely restored. But they, that's the Pharisees, they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. So we're either going to be filled with criticism of others or compassion for others. So we need to ask the first question. What fills us with criticism? What fills us with criticism? And the answer is a, a word that we, we hear all the time. Maybe we don't know what it means. It's legalism. Legalism is what fills us 
with criticism. Now, I'm pretty active on social media, and, and, and from time to time, I will post things about religion, okay? So this is a good chance for me to clarify, right? Because sometimes I've got, I've got friends all over the map on Facebook, and so I'll post things about religion. Usually when I post about religion, it's a negative light, and so I'll, I'll, I'll always have one or two friends that will make sure that they either message me or they'll make a comment on what I post, and they'll talk about, like, religion's a good thing. And so we need to clarify kind of what, what do we mean? Legalism, to me, legalism and religion go hand in hand. Now, there's a good religion, okay? Just jot down James 1.27. James 1.27 is, is where Jesus, uh, James is writing. He says this, religion that God our Father accepts. And if God accepts something, then it's good, Correct. Right? So this is good religion, right? Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I'll just say this. If Christians the world over would just do those two things, the world would be a better place. Okay? So that's good religion. But, but when I talk about legalism and religion, it's, it's bad religion. Okay? It's it's bad. It's, it's the kind of religion that happens when men and women put themselves in charge of trying to make people right. Do you know people like that? Yeah, it's like, ugh. Don't like me around those people. You got a quote on your note sheet um, from a, a, a pastor named Tulian Chavagin. You look at that last name, you're like, I don't know how you got Chavagin out of that, but that's how you say his name, right? And that's, that's a great quote, and it just sums up legalism. It's about us trying to earn God's love through change instead of allowing God's love to change us. Okay, so I want to make sure you understand, when I say legalism, this is what I'm talking about, okay? The Pharisees that Jesus is going head-to-head with, these are legalists in his day. These are men who have made the law their Lord. They don't have enough of them. These are the guys that make up laws like, hey, no woman can drive unless a man walks in front of the car and yells out, woman driver coming. Crazy, stupid, ridiculous rules. And they're the ones that are in charge of that. They've made them. As a matter of fact, they made 613 laws that man had to follow. Jesus was so anti that that he actually had the audacity to make statements like this. All of the law and the prophets, all 613 come down to two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I love that. Jesus is for people like me. Like, 613, what? And he goes, hey, dude, just two, right? Just two. Legalists, legalists are always trying to make things harder. There's a, um, a man named Joseph Stowell. He wrote a book called Fan the Flame. He, he listed 10 tragic flaws with the system that the Pharisees put in place. I won't get, tell you all 10. Here's just four of them. Accountability to, accountability to God got replaced by accountability to man. You had to answer to men. And, and guess which men you had to answer to? Pharisees, the dudes with the big, tall, crazy hats. Accountability to God was replaced by accountability to men. It created a judgmental spirit. It was strictly external. And most importantly of all, it was rejected by Christ, which is what we're going to see here. So the end result of legalism is that we are filled with criticism of others and even of Jesus. If you're sitting here right now thinking I could preach this message better, you're a legalist. You're full of criticism. All you need to do is come preach a couple times and you'll change right it makes us full of criticism look at this Luke chapter 6 1 through 5 we just read it 
they become critical of the disciples. Why are they doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath? Here's what they were doing. They're walking through a grain field. They're pulling, they're pulling stuff off with their hands. And that was not against the law. You could, you could totally do that. But you know what you couldn't do on the Sabbath? You couldn't prepare a meal. That was work. Can I get an amen from the people that do the food in your house, right? I, t- I told Winnie, like, spend her birthday weekend, right? So, like, she had two whole days. I, like, we're driving out last night. I'm like, you had two days of no cooking. And she's like, and I have loved it, right? So she gets it. She's like, preparing meals is work. And you couldn't work on the Sabbath. And so you couldn't prepare a meal. And they were convinced, the Pharisees were, that if you took those kernels and did this, that was work. Which it wasn't. Like, what? Like, how critical do you have to be? Wait, uh, you rub your hands together three times. You rub them horizontally, not vertically. I said, what? It's crazy. It's crazy. Why are you, why are you doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath? And can't you just, Jesus like, we're doing what? I love how Jesus responded. This is how you, that's how you should always respond to a legalist. You should always quote the law to a legalist. But you should ask them questions like, when Jesus answered him and said, have you never read? Well, they were Pharisees. You think they'd ever read this? It, yeah. He's like, have you never read? And what he's really saying is, do you not understand? And he sums it all up by saying, I, Jesus, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Like those rules that you made, I'm, I, I, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. The person that you wrote all those rules to try to honor, to try to obey, I'm that guy. And you're critical not only of my disciples, but you're critical of me as well. They were openly critical of others. So Jesus, his, the first mic drop he ever did was when he looked at him and said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. Mic drop out, right? That ended that. On another Sabbath, we'll get to that next. On another Sabbath, they began looking for a, a way to accuse him. Like, I know this doesn't apply to anybody here because the gathering is fantastic. If you've ever gone to church looking for something to criticize, this is about you. Pharisees went to the, to the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, they went to church to find something to criticize Jesus about. It's, now, it's one thing for us to come to church and find something to criticize each other about, but they went to watch Jesus to see if they could find anything that he would do that they could accuse him of. I cannot even remotely imagine being like this with Jesus. Just wait. Just wait. He'll do something stupid. We'll nail him. Like that critical of Jesus, who they already knew was God. Now, they didn't accept it, but they knew from what we studied last week, he's got to be God. He, He forgave that man his sins, and then he healed that man's body, which... According to our own system, the 613 rules that we put together means that he's got to be God. So they knew that he was God, but they weren't willing to accept it. Instead, they, got even, they dug their heels in even more. I'm going to become even more critical. Man, it's horrible to be that critical. Verse 7, the vile end of legalism and criticism is that they actually hoped that Jesus would heal somebody so they could use that to attack him. They, they hoped that something good would happen so they could use it in a bad way to attack Jesus. I mean, do you see? That's crazy. It'd be like, at the end of this service today, 
we fumble through an altar call. And hundreds of people, which means all of you, (laughs) fall on your faces in repentance. And we criticize the way the altar call was done. Something good becomes something bad in order to prove your point. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They, it says, they hoped, watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Because if he heals on the Sabbath, we've got him. They're eaten up with legalism, which has filled them with criticism. So what fills us with compassion? The Lordship of Jesus. I love this statement. We won't lord it over others when Jesus is Lord over us. The Lordship of Jesus fills us with compassion. We can't claim to be Christians and not actually be like Jesus. So just, um, I won't read all these verses. You can jot them down in your note sheets just to prove to you that he was full of compassion, okay? Here we go, you ready? Matthew chapter nine, verse 36. Matthew 14, 14. Matthew 15, 22. Matthew 20, 34. Mark 6, 34. Mark 8, 2. Luke 7, 13. Hebrews 4, 15. It's in the Bible a few times. Jesus was a man who was full of compassion. The Bible says over and over again things like he he saw the crowd and he was moved with compassion. The Pharisees would see the crowd and be filled with criticism of the crowd. But Jesus saw the crowd and was moved with compassion. Even here in verse 9, we see the compassion Jesus had for this man with a shriveled hand. When he said, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He was looking to do something good. And, and I love how this plays out, okay? Again, if you ever want to tick somebody off that's really into the rules, not like Jesus was looking for a loophole, but just obey the rules and take it to a whole other level, right? It just really gets under their skin. So you got you to love the genius of Jesus, what he did here. So he has the man with the shriveled hand stand up. Right, Because he knows, again, he knows what they're thinking. If you remember the story, the Pharisees, they didn't say out loud, well, I wonder if he's going to heal on the Sabbath. They're thinking this, right? And so he sees the person with the shriveled hand, and he's just, stand. And so the man's like, who, me? (laughs) Yeah, you stand. So he stands up, he's got the shriveled hand, the whole deal. And he's just standing there. Jesus asked, he asked the question, like, what's, what's, is it better to heal or or not heal? Is 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 it okay to do good or do evil on the Sabbath? Not really answering. And so all he said was to the man, stretch out your hand. And so the man did, and then it was healed. He never did any work. Jesus didn't do any work. He didn't didn't do anything. He just said, stretch your hand out. The man might have done some work. I don't know if that's considered work, stretching your hand out. He's probably okay to do that unless he's rubbing kernels, right? He stretched his hand out. He's healed. So Jesus never broke a Sabbath law. He never broke one of the crazy rules that the Pharisees had when he healed this man. And it says that they still got furious, which is not like a little miffed. It's like full of rage. As a matter of fact, that same Greek word for furious, which is like full of rage, is used for Peter when he stood up full of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was, and Peter wasn't kind of, got, he didn't kind of have the Holy Spirit, right? He was consumed with the Holy Spirit. And so here we see the Pharisees, after a man has been healed... Filled with rage. How jacked up are you? If you are full of rage because Jesus touched somebody, 
that's not how I would have done it. Which is why we don't follow you. We follow Jesus. It's not about your rules. It's about this, Matthew chapter 20. Let's read that real quick, and we'll wrap this thing up. I told you earlier on that you would hate me when I preach this message. It's all good. Matthew chapter 20. Verses 25 to 28. It's always good when you're in the right chapter. This is right after, um, you know, uh, this, the, the brothers are fighting over who's going to have the best seat in the house whenever Jesus comes into his kingdom. And so Jesus called them together, verse 25, Matthew 20, 25. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Everybody say that with me. Not so with you. He's talking to his disciples. We don't, that's not how we operate, is what he's saying. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. And why is that? Because, because Jesus wants us to be doormats? Because he doesn't want you to be strong? Because he wants you to take the back seat and never the front seat? No, it's not for any of those reasons. It's because of what he says at the end. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Servant leadership in Christ is in direct contrast to selfish leadership in the world. And so Jesus is saying this, look, you can't follow me and not be like me. I'm not going to be jacked up over all, over all these rules. It's not like Jesus wasn't like trying to be a rebel or anything. He was just saying, guys, you've, you've gone so crazy with all the rules. You've got rules on the books that you can't even enforce. And now you want me to play by your crazy rules when there's a man that can be healed? Compassion doesn't take a day off is what Jesus is saying. You're either going to be filled with criticism of others or with compassion for others. And the question for us has got to be this. What are you full of? Don't wait. I heard it in my head. <laughs> Malarkey. <laughs> okay. What, what are we full of? Because we can only be full of one of those. You can't be half full of criticism and half full of compassion. You're only going to be full of criticism of others or compassion for others. Just to make sure we understand how polar opposite those two are. And I'm hoping you see that, like nod your head at me. Do you see just how polar opposite those two are, right? Like nobody wants to party with a legalist. I got a bunch of helium balloons. We're going to let them go after the party. It's going to be great. But make sure you let it go at just the right time. I'm gonna, I've got a little countdown thing. And make sure you let it go over here and not over there because I want it to go that way, not that way. And like at the end of the day, you're like, here, here, just take your stupid balloon and let it go yourself. Right? <laughs> Nobody wants to party with a legalist. There's a reason why as we walk through the book of Luke, you're going to see that sinners were drawn to Jesus and repelled by Pharisees. It's because Pharisees are full of criticism and Jesus is full of compassion. 
The question is, as his children, which are we? And if you are full of nothing but criticism, you will repel people from Jesus. God, I know that ticks you off. I'm sorry. But if you're full of compassion for people, you will draw people to Jesus. Because that's who he was. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Just, let me just highlight the differences, okay, real quick. Compassion makes a way for people. Criticism gets in the way of people. Compassion opens arms. Criticism crosses arms. Compassion looks past mistakes. Criticism looks for mistakes. Compassion lifts up. Criticism weighs down. Compassion helps with issues. Criticism creates issues. Compassion sees the person, and criticism sees the problem. You can only be full of one of those. I think it's clear which one is the most effective. We're to be full of compassion, not criticism. Now, I know right now, because I know how we think, some of you are saying to yourselves, but can we not use our brains to evaluate and weigh situations? Yes, you can. You should be in community group because it's a question you'll discuss this week. Okay, you can work that out in your community group. What is the difference between being critical and thinking critically? There is a difference. Okay, that's for community group though. That's why you should be in community group because they go so much deeper than I do. They're fantastic. But the only way to be full of compassion, the only way to be full of compassion for others is by allowing Jesus to be the Lord of you. And here's why that's so important, okay? It all comes back to who your Lord is, doesn't it? If, if your Lord is, is religion and rules and it better be a certain way, and oh gosh, don't even think about worshiping on this day when you should worship on this day. If that's your Lord, if that's what rules your life, then you're going to always be legalistic and you're going to always be full of criticism and you're not going to pe- lead people to Jesus, But if your Lord is Jesus, then you're going to be full of compassion like he was. You're not going to be afraid to call people out. You're not going to ignore the issues, but you're going to see the person in the middle of those issues. Jesus did that so beautifully. He did not allow this man with a shriveled hand to become a pawn in this little fight that he had going with the Pharisees. Your rules, my rules, Your preferences, my preferences, your desires, my desires, they all get laid at the feet of Jesus when he's our Lord. Doesn't mean you can't have them. Just means that they're never as important as Jesus. And the Pharisees learned this. Jesus was Lord of the Sabbath. And that was the issue in this passage, right? I mean, it's about the Sabbath, but it's really about preference, right? So let me ask you this, gathering. Are you willing to let Jesus be Lord of your preferences? That's hard to do, isn't it? It's so much easier when we just say it's a rule. But it's a preference. Are we willing to let Jesus be Lord of our preference? I am. I don't really prefer country music. And Jesus doesn't either. <laughs> so here's the thing. It's okay to have preferences. Right? It's just not okay to worship them. And we don't think that we worship preferences, right? Um, we don't at all. But when, we make them, when they're more important to us than Jesus, then we are worshiping them, not Jesus. 
It's okay to have preferences. It's just not okay to worship him. So I'm challenging this house to make Jesus Lord. And as a result, I'm challenging you to be a tribe in this city full of compassion for others more than criticism of them. That's what draws people to Jesus. Let's pray. God, here's the deal. Most of us have been in church long enough that it's really hard to read this story in Luke and not squirm a little. Because all of us can relate to what the Pharisees did. All of us. It's not one person in this room that doesn't have a preference. It's not one person in this room that, although, although we would never actually say out loud that we're criticizing you, there's not one of us here that hasn't at some point found ourselves being critical of something you were doing. And so today, we repent of that. Now, I'm, I'm praying about repentance. I can't repent for you. You have to do that. But as the leader of this house, God, I repent for the times that your church has made preference, God. That your church has been full of criticism of others more than compassion for them. And God, I pray that that would not be what marks the gathering in Albemarle, North Carolina. That what marks the gathering would be that this is a house of compassion. A house that draws people to Jesus that exists to live near you so that you can send us to people that are far from you with something in us, this attraction that they want to know more about you. That's our heart. So before I say amen and your your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, um, just in this privacy, I want to give you the chance to, to repent, to simply say to God, yes, I feel myself at times being full of criticism more than compassion, and I just need to ask you to forgive me. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. You can put it right back down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody else before we pray? Thank you. Thank you. Father, just, just the hands that went up, God, I thank you for the truth of your word. Um, I thank you that it, it, it cuts us for sure. It hurts us. To see this about ourselves and yet God you come in right behind it with this grace from the Holy Spirit. And I thank you that you are shaping us and making us God to be your representatives in this city. And that God when people when they walk past us when they have conversations with us God. My prayer is that they would be touched by the compassion of Jesus through us. You saw the crowds and had compassion on them. We're your children. You want us to do the same. And so we thank you, God, for that truth, that your compassion flows through us to those around us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.